This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is Vendor on Psoriasis with Dr. Ron Vendor for January 24, 2021. Based on the popular Vendor on Psoriasis column in the Chronicle of Skin and Allergy, Dr. Vendor provides brief synopses of recent significant clinical developments in psoriasis research, and provides his observations and comments to accompany each report. In each episode, Dr. Vendor will answer questions, and offer his expert observations and anecdotes on treating this chronic disease. Today, he'll discuss the effect of alcohol on treatment response, biologic fatigue, and treatment changes in biologics. If you have a question for Dr. Vendor, or want to be in touch at any time, just send an email to vendor at chronicle.org. That's V-E-N-D-E-R at chronicle.org. And, if you attach a voice clip, we might even use your question on an upcoming episode. Support for this podcast comes from Sun Pharma Canada. Sun Pharma is a world leader in specialty therapeutics, and is now positioned to be an even larger contributor to the Canadian dermatology landscape. Learn more at www.sunpharma.com. And now, here's Jeremy Visser. Thanks, Leona. Welcome back. I'm Jeremy Visser of the Chronicle of Skin and Allergy. You're listening to the Vendor on Psoriasis podcast with Dr. Ron Vendor. In our third episode, Dr. Vendor will be talking about alcohol affecting treatment response, treatment changes in biologics, and patients with biologic fatigue. Our first study today looks at alcohol misuse and its association with poor response to systemic treatments for psoriasis. What are your thoughts on the study, Dr. Vendor? Well, thank you, Jeremy, and it's nice to be back. And this article looking at alcohol and the poor response to systemic therapy is quite interesting. You know that psoriasis itself is associated with psychological disease, such as depression and anxiety. And we know that the psoriasis patients tend to drink a lot more. Some people have thought about whether the drinking comes first as an addiction and then psoriasis later in terms of triggering. This is also possible. Or is the drinking as a reaction to the psoriasis itself. So which came first, sort of the chicken or the egg. And we know that when we do clinical trials, the sponsors are not interested in anybody that has an addictive personality or addictive problems, which is unfortunate because they still need help. They only need help for not only their psoriasis, but also for the addiction. And whether alcohol itself is associated with decrease in compliance, or is there some kind of medical reason or mechanistic or mechanism of action reason for alcohol interfering and causing a reduction in the efficacy of biologic is really yet to be discovered. But this study showed that there was a poor response to therapy associated with alcohol misuse. So not just use or abuse, but just a misuse, which is sort of a mixture of everything and obesity as well. And we know that heavier patients have 
more difficulty in showing a response to biologics, but no one has really looked at the alcohol misuse as well. And so I think what I learned and what we can take away from this study is to say that alcoholism is a problem, alcohol misuse is a problem in general, but for psoriasis patients, it can be even worse. And not only is there interaction with alcohol and certain medications such as methotrexate, for example, we can see now that even treating these patients with biologic therapy and their addiction or misuse is not controlled, and you can even add smoking to this, that they'll have a less response. And so I think that these psoriasis patients cannot be just looked at from the outside, also have to be looked at from the inside and trying to understand their other psychosocial or their social problems that they may have. And I really think that having a study like this, it just reinforces the fact that these issues are seen with psoriasis patients. And even if we try and help them with effective and safe biologics, they may not get a response because of this. And so I think that that needs to be addressed with the patient. This next study looks at treatment changes of biologics in Canadian patients with moderate to severe chronic plaque psoriasis. Dr. Vendor, what did you take away from the study? Thanks, Jeremy, for bringing this study to my attention again. And this was a real-world study, and it's a long-term study. And I like it because it is related to the Canadian patients, which are similar to American patients, true, but it's nice to have something that is Canadianized. We know that different parts of the world, such as Asia, have a different response to biologics. And because they're thinner and usually not as heavy, that they may respond even sometimes a little bit better. This was a retrospective study, and there was 13 Canadian sites that were involved. And they looked at over a thousand medical charts. And what it looked like is trying to see a survival. In other words, we talk about survival of biologics or drugs as to something that how long someone's going to be on it. If that drug is surviving in that patient while giving either no side effects or a good clinical response. And when looking specifically, for example, one of them at Alimumab, average was about almost five and a half to six years before a change occurred. In other words, it has good drug survival. And if someone is on Humira for one or two or three years, they're likely going to be on it for quite some time. And sometimes these changes are done for safety reasons, but you would expect that if they've been on it for a long time, that it's likely for loss of efficacy. Or it's also possible that the patient has found out that there's a biologic that can be given less frequently as well. And the other part of this is the dose optimization. We're very, very fortunate in Canada to have dose optimization, meaning that instead of switching drugs, if you lose effect, you increase the dosage of the drug or you increase the frequency of the drug. So you optimize the drug, knowing that it's safe in the patient. And then you often can give it either for other 
studied dosing frequency. So for example, etanercept was studied at a twice a week frequency in a tiering study that lasted 96 weeks and found to be very safe. Whereas the usual doses is three months of twice a week and then go to once a week. But optimizing etanercept to twice a week has shown that you can have drug survival, especially if the patients are doing well. So this study did look at this. Another example was looking at ustekinumab and found that the survival curve was very, very similar to about four years of treatment. And even looking at as far as six years of treatment that patients on ustekinumab were able to continue on it with and without dose optimization. Ustekinumab was one of those that we got used to dose optimization because of the dosage range of 45 or 90 milligrams every eight or every 12 weeks. So I like this paper because it tells us that what we're doing, we seem to be doing right, keep the patients on the drug if they're doing well without side effects. And not only that, you can optimize the dose. And I think that this confirms that in this study of over a thousand patients, that dose optimization is a great option for those that may be losing efficacy and want to stay on the drug because they find that they're safe. Our last study looks at patients who experience biologic fatigue and treating them with combination therapy, specifically a premolest in biologics. Let's hear your perspective on this study, Dr. Vendor. So thanks, Jeremy. This is another study that's sort of looking at what they call biologic fatigue, or I call drug survival or biologic survival, or some people say secondary failure. So patients would often come in and say, you know, I've been on this needle or this biologic for a long time. And, you know, I think it's starting to lose its effect. And so we call that biologic fatigue and why that happens. No one's really, really sure or secondary failure, meaning that it worked at first and then it sort of lost its effect over time. When looking at most of the randomized clinical trials, even with long-term efficacy, the TNFs, the anti-IL-17s, the anti-IL-1223s, and even some of the anti-IL-23s, we noticed that about 5 to 10% of subjects or patients, depending if they're a study or not, tended to lose that effect over time. And no one's really quite sure. I like the name biologic fatigue. I think that's, that's good. Right? The patients say, I think my body's getting used to it. And this study looked at Instead of changing the dosing or optimizing, they added a premolast. And a premolast is a PDE4 inhibitor. And while adding a premolast without changing the dosage of the biologic, then you were able to gain some improvement of PASI score. And this shows another way of optimizing treatment by adding or adjunctive therapy. We try to avoid the methotrexate and acetretin as adjunctive therapy because of the potential side effects that can occur and the blood monitoring that is needed. But with the Premolast, we don't need the, the blood monitoring and the side effects are generally well tolerated, but occasionally nausea, headaches, and 
loose stool can occur. But this study confirms that optimization may not always be necessary, but adding adjunctive therapy such as a premolask to biologic therapy when secondary failure occurs to be able to regain the response and add some added benefit. Now we have more listener questions. This first one comes from Manitoba. As the first study we looked at today referenced how alcohol misuse and body weight can reduce treatment response in psoriasis patients, our listener would like to know what other lifestyle behaviors can potentially interfere with treatment response. So thank you for that question. I believe that the other lifestyle changes is always, and it comes down to basics or, you know, health 101 is exercise is extremely important. A good relaxing type of lifestyle without stress may also be important, but very difficult for everybody. And in addition to this, a healthy, balanced diet as well. In one of our previous episodes, and I would suggest listeners have a look at that, we spoke about intermittent fasting and the improvement that could occur with psoriasis. Uh, Those are good lifestyle changes. Reduction of alcohol is extremely important. And also stopping to smoke, not just a reduction in smoking, but to patients to stop smoking. And we know that smoking is associated with increased risk of plantar psoriasis. And so stopping smoking can improve that. And in this episode, we spoke about alcohol in terms of interfering with biologics as well. And overall, I think that looking at support groups is extremely important. Speaking to other patients that have as psoriasis can be very, very helpful and improve one's outlook and help with lifestyle as well. Our next question comes from Toronto, referencing our second study. The study looking at medication changing psoriasis, finding that medication switching rather than interval changing was more common in patients receiving older medications with efficacy and side effects being frequently cited as a reason to switch medications. The question being, should we expect to see a reduction in the frequency that patients are switched to different medications as newer biologics are more widely adopted? Thank you for that question. I am familiar with the switch that occurred from the what we call older biologics or first-generation biologics, which are usually the TNF inhibitors or the anti-IL-1223 inhibitors. I could understand the changes from the TNF inhibitors, which are generally given frequently have a low percentage of patients that would achieve clear or almost clear skin, and an even lower percentage of patients that would achieve clear skin. The new anti-IL-17s and anti-IL-23s have a higher percentage of patients that will achieve a PASI-90, clear or almost clear skin, or PASI-100, clear skin. Also, the reduction in frequency of dosing for the anti-IL-23s from every eight weeks to every 12 weeks is a nice bonus and a attractive option for patients that are injecting TNF inhibitors every two weeks or every week or even twice a week. And so I understand that the switching certainly will occur from those first-generation TNF inhibitors to some of the newer anti-IL-17s and anti-IL-23s. 
Another part to look at is the time in between the approval of these medications. So there was a large gap between TNF inhibitors and IL-1223s that sort of was attractive to switching instead of optimizing. And then there was a large gap of time between anti-IL-23s and anti-IL-17s in terms of better efficacy and longer duration of efficacy or more durability. And that gap sort of caused this more switches to occur. And then the anti-IL-17s were approved quite rapidly together. And then with respect to time, there was very little gap in between the approvals. So instead of five or six years like previous, they would be almost every year, or every two years. And the same with the anti-IL-23s. And so that's where physicians started to realize, uh-oh, I may be running out of options. And now instead of switching biologic, it's time to optimize. And we found that optimization was very safe and very well tolerated for the patients and added increased efficacy. And so I think that's why we're seeing a difference from switches that used to be and optimization that now occur. Thank you, Dr. Vendor. Listeners, if you have comments or questions for Dr. Vendor, send them over. Send an email to health at chronicle.org. Add a voice clip attachment to your questions, and you might appear in a future episode of this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. You can subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Sun Pharma Canada. I'm Jeremy Visser of Chronicle Companies. Your host has been Dr. Ron Vender, founder and director of Venderm Innovations and Psoriasis a center of excellence for psoriasis, offering a comprehensive management solution for individuals with psoriasis. We'll talk again next week.